And what this can actually do is shut that person down and invalidate them and kind of come across as shaming that person instead of deepening a connection and using that opportunity as a moment to really support that person and just listen to them. Welcome to the Reach New Heights podcast, where we dive deep into all things self-healing, transformation, and building dreams. I'm Julie Householder, and it is my passion to share powerful tools to empower you to transform your life and reach new heights. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Reach New Heights podcast. Today, we're talking about toxic positivity. Before we hop into our content, this is an invitation to take a moment and tune in. You're welcome to notice your physical body, starting with the palms of your hands, just noticing every finger, then moving up your arms to the top of your head and all the way down to the bottom of your feet. Just scan your body and notice your energy levels, notice how your physical body feels today. Bringing your awareness to your breathing. Noticing how you're feeling without judgment, without trying to make things be a certain way or force things to go away. Just being present with whatever is. And drawing some full deep breaths in through your nose. And exhale. Again, drawing another full deep breath in. And out. Toxic positivity is a term that perfectly describes my outlook in my childhood and teenage years. Looking back now, I can definitely see how I internalized the message of be positive in a way that became toxic because it wasn't paired with education about emotions or emotional regulation. I had no idea what that was until I I learned it later on as an adult. Uh, Toxic positivity is when an individual adopts the be positive mindset no matter what, no matter how dire or challenging a situation is, and to kind of project a constantly positive attitude. And I really want to emphasize here that this is not to negate the benefits of engaging in positive thinking practices, like thinking of possible positive outcomes in a difficult circumstance, or finding blessings and gifts in rigorous situations, and and using ideas that help inspire us to move through challenges. But toxic positivity involves rejecting difficult emotions in favor of a cheerful and sometimes falsely positive attitude that becomes like a facade, it becomes a mask. And it's paired with a lot of other things where you can feel guilt or shame about feeling certain emotions like anger, sadness, disappointment, frustration, anything that would be deemed as like more of the negative emotions. Hiding your actual feelings behind positive quotes that kind of seem outwardly acceptable in social interactions with other people. Brushing off or avoiding certain problems in our life. Hiding how we really actually feel. Trying to just, you know, get over it or just get over painful emotions. Trying to be stoic or, again, portray a certain emotional state. And in my life, it was definitely like 
my insides didn't match my outsides, if that made sense. Like I projected this certain positive attitude or this positive bubbly face, but on the inside, I was in deep pain and going through rigorous things. And that really took a toll on me. Culturally speaking, being from a Cuban-American cultural background, expressing discontent or certain emotions were often kind of like taken as not being grateful or it's kind of like that, oh, like, ¿Por qué en Cuba? which is like, because in Cuba, things were worse off or, you know, what do we have to complain about here or be upset about here sort of thing. So being positive or having a neutral or positive state was often overemphasized and preferred. And conversations that I've had with a lot of other Latin friends, they also shared similar experiences with their family systems, denying certain emotional states or overemphasizing like being positive and and being grateful, which in the case for so many of us and so many families who immigrated to new countries, you know, it's, it's a survival mechanism. It's a tool that was used to really encourage the family during a really difficult time and a difficult transition. And there's a lot of beauty in that too with the resiliency of so many of these families that embark in these new journeys in in different countries and how challenging that can be. Uh, But in this process, my brain linked expressing or feeling negative emotions or more like the negative mood states as being a negative person, which I was taught was something I shouldn't be. And I tried to avoid at all costs. It's kind of like, I I always get so annoyed with that conversation where it's like, oh, is like the glass half empty or half full? Like I remember since I was a kid, I used to get so annoyed with that. I was like, why are we talking about this? Um, As if there's only two different ways to be. It's like, oh, you're a positive person or you're a negative person. And these ideas really, once I internalized them, really caused me pretty early on to deny emotions, to not process emotions, or to shame myself for experiencing things and immediately being like, oh, I need to think positive or I'm not being grateful or like whatever those voices were telling me, I would immediately start telling to myself over feeling certain emotions and really challenging circumstances, which can create some major issues in the lens of mental and emotional health. And it definitely did for me. Emotions especially the ones that are typically unpleasant to feel, are really important to be felt and acknowledged and experienced and processed. And feeling emotional and feeling unpleasant emotions, it doesn't make us a negative person. It literally just makes us human. And these, you know, emotions, they're not fixed. They're often complex. Often we can feel a bunch of different emotions at the same time. Like I always used to call it like a mixed bag of emotions. And the suppression of them doesn't make it go away. They don't go away. And I found, especially in the peak of my kind of toxic positive time period, that when I didn't allow myself to fully feel unpleasant emotions, I was also struggling to feel positive emotions fully as well. And my friend Kevin once used a teaching analogy about this that I really love. And he was saying that like suppressing emotions is like trying to push a beach ball underwater, expecting it to stay beneath the surface. And I don't know if any of you have ever done that, but I grew up in Florida and went to the the pool or the beach and trying to push that ball underwater, like what's it's going to do? It's going to shoot back up, right? And so in the process of my healing, I had to really recognize the ideas that I believed to be true about emotions, like just face value. What did I believe to be true about certain emotions? 
And what kind of messaging was I holding on about them that was internalized from my upbringing, from school, from family, from different environments. And I was also noticing how being this sunny, bubbly personality for other people or for society was a trauma response from a lot of experiences that I had in my family system. And so it was something that I used as a survival mechanism through a lot of situations. So I was very used to portraying a very happy, bubbly, external face or mask uh, when what I was feeling and what the family system was going through was not that whatsoever. And so I began to really be give myself permission to feel emotions and that it's okay not to smile all the time. Like I literally couldn't like not smile. Like I, I mean like obviously like my, my face would rest, but like in social interactions, I was always happy and bubbly. And I remember in the, the peak of some of my most intense depression in high school, on like one of my worst days, someone came up to me and they're like, oh, Julie, you're just so happy all the time. How are you so happy all the time? But little did they know on the inside, that was not the case. I was really struggling with really intense depression and anxiety. And with time and with therapy, <laughs> I was starting to allow myself to not have to smile all the time and actually allow my face to show how I felt on the inside rather than the toxic positive mass and kind of the stoicism that protected me growing up and actually enabling myself to actually do the facial expressions of how I felt. And toxic positivity also comes up in a lot of social interactions too, in social settings. So we, we can often see this in the use of toxic positive statements to another person when someone is sharing what they're going through, what their emotions are about a certain situation. And using these toxic positive statements can actually be pretty harmful. So those can be, you know, just stay positive or, you know, look on the bright side or happiness is a choice in response to someone sharing something that they're going through. Even though that person might not have the intention of this being the outcome, but that can also just come across as placing blame on the individual, that the pain that they're feeling in response to a very valid, difficult circumstance or trauma or trial in life is their own fault because they're not choosing to be happy. And I feel like there are social norms that people say because they don't really know what else to say to a person. They're trying to be sympathetic with them. Or maybe they're just repeating what they heard other people say to other people throughout their life, you know, growing up as kids. And what this can actually do is shut that person down and invalidate them and kind of come across as shaming that person instead of deepening a connection and using that opportunity as a moment to really support that person and just listen to them. Which again, most of this personal, you know, emotional regulation, co-regulation and having authentic communications with other people when there are difficult emotions coming up or really challenging conversations, we collectively as a society, we haven't really been taught these things. I mean, unless we learned it in our family system, which most of us haven't, and I certainly didn't learn any of this in school. Uh, most people don't know this and unless, you know, you've gone to therapy or you're studying counseling or getting a therapy degree or we just over time through our experiences and if we're someone who like reflects a lot might start noticing some things on our own. Toxic positivity can become a form of avoidance, both internally, us avoiding what's going on or how we're feeling, 
but also in social situations, it can really enable the person to avoid an emotional situation out of discomfort or they don't know what to say. Some additional examples of toxic positivity, I'm getting this from an article from Medical News Today. Telling a parent whose child has passed away to be happy that they at least can have children or asserting after a catastrophe that everything happens for a reason or urging someone to focus on positive aspects after a devastating loss, telling someone to just get over their grief or suffering and just focus on the good things in their life, labeling people who always appear positive or don't share their emotions as being stronger or more likable than others, brushing off someone's concerns by saying it could be worse, urging people to thrive no matter what adversity they face, regardless of what it is, cause the other person who's being vulnerable and sharing what they're going through to internalize that message and start dismissing and discounting and denying themselves of their own experience. So reminders that I like to use with myself when those kind of internalized toxic positivity patterns come up is I remind myself that it's normal to feel emotions in the face of difficult and stressful situations. It's normal. It's human. And I focus on self-care and emotion and nervous system regulation tools. If shame comes up, I remind myself, again, like this is a normal response. It's okay to feel this and, and giving my permission to feel those emotions. Noticing how I'm feeling in response to social media is another big thing because there are a lot of personal development accounts out there that put up a lot of positive statements and I'll notice like it's really important for us to tune in Say we're following like a personal development account that's putting out all these like kind of toxic positive messaging. Like notice how you feel after you engage with certain content. How do you feel afterwards? Do you leave that feeling kind of like shamed or not feeling good? It's really important for us to tune in and give ourselves permission to notice how we feel after we engage with something. And for me, it's when I notice I need to take a step back from social media or making sure that I'm following more accounts that are trauma-informed or or therapy and counseling-informed, or if it is someone from the personal development industry that when I engage with their content, I feel good afterwards. And when we're talking and listening to other people that might be sharing something with us, I think it's important for us to remember that we don't have to have the answers and we don't have to know exactly what to say to this person that's opening up to us. And I think with our society, these two different nuanced approaches. When we share something, sometimes we're looking for someone to help us fix a problem or we're looking for someone just to simply listen to us. And as the listener, sometimes we might assume that they're asking us to fix the problem, right? Instead of just listening to them or we're just trying to listen to them and they're seeking something else. Most of us at the end of the day, we just want to be seen, heard, supported, and know that someone is there for us. When we're not sure of what to tell somebody or how to approach a certain emotional conversation, just being honest and upfront about that, where I wasn't really sure what to say to them, I was, I would literally told them, I was like, listen, like, I'm not really sure like what you're seeking or if you're, you know, looking for a verbal response from me, but I just want you to know that I'm listening and and I'm here for you. Knowing that I'm not supposed to, just because someone's opening up to me, I don't have to know everything. I don't have to say the perfect catchphrase. I don't need to say something, you know, perfectly. But what people are usually looking for is for someone to listen to them, to to validate their emotions and, and to be there for them. 
My hope is that as more information about emotions, just emotions basics and emotional regulation, that as a collective we can kind of dismantle that notion. Feeling difficult, challenging emotions in the face of life circumstances does not make us a negative person or a glass half empty kind of person. Life is ever changing and our perception is always changing from moment to moment, even within the same day us looking at a certain circumstance, we can have many different viewpoints and many different feelings about that. It's not so dualistic. Humans are much more complex than that. So I'm wishing you all a wonderful rest of your week. If you'd like to read the articles that I sourced for this podcast, I'll put them in the description below. And I'll see you next time here on the Reach New Heights podcast. From my heart to yours, thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. I hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast as much as I love creating it. As always, you can connect with me on Instagram at JULHouseholder or my website, juliehouseholder.com. I love hearing how you've integrated these episodes into your life. And if you feel called, please leave a review on iTunes so we can help others reach new heights. 